What's up, everybody? Since the sandbox is back, I am back from Maine. I am officially a mountain man, and we're going to bring you guys some NBA in the bubble. Finally back at it, and uh, it's so exciting to have real NBA that's competitive back and talk about the seas and some other teams that are really trying to push for uh, higher seeds in the playoffs. Thank you for that intro, and you are indeed a mountain man now if you weren't already before, but that's a story for another time. Celtics Blazers, the two Celtics Blazers. All right, let's do Celtics Blazers. Let's do it. I thought this was a really good game for them to get back in the swing of things too because Tatum was absolutely awful before this game. Um, the only thing that concerned me was they blew a 24-point lead, uh, but Tatum did put up 34-8, and eight, and Jalen Brown had 30-6, and six, and Hayward had 22-8, and eight, so... It was a great game. They played great at the end, but, man, to blow a 24-point lead, I, I, it can't happen. I, and I know Nurkic is very good, and he's back now, but it can't happen. Lou, I agree with you. I think it was a good game for them to kind of bounce back. I mean, it was their second game in. Definitely like that, like you said, Tatum bounced back from the first game because I was both uh, silently and publicly bashing Jason Tatum, but it's all good. Yeah, it was a good game for them to bounce back. Like you said, though, blowing those kind of leads can't happen. I mean, especially against teams like that, not to knock the Blazers, but, I mean, they're not a top team. You know what I mean? If we were to do that against Milwaukee or either of the L.A. teams or Philly or teams like that, it's like they're going to put us away. You know what I mean? So definitely can't be blowing leads. I mean, especially where the Blazers aren't even that good of a defensive team. There's no excuse for it. But besides that, I mean, I definitely think the Celtics looked better. Again, I think Tatum looked better. And I think if him and Jalen Brown can stay hot together and Kemba can get healthy right before, you know, the, the, the playoff swing, then I think they will be scary. And I think they could be there in the Eastern Conference Finals if, you know, things go their way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I still need to see more production as a whole because I feel like this whole bubble thing has been just threes, 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 threes. And, like, you can't get baited into that. Portland's a better three-point shooting team than you. Uh, we're going to talk about their loss versus the Heat coming up. They're a better three-point shooting team than you. And it's just like you can't get drawn into these games and, and try to put it all on Tatum and Brown's shoulders at the end. I mean, you should be able to because they are both stars, but you shouldn't have to do that when you play so well for three quarters and then play so bad in one that it kind of gives them momentum back. And, I mean, again, Dame played great. Nurkic played great. It's just tough when we do play a big man god combo like that it does seem like the Celtics do struggle at some points in the game yeah Lou like you said uh we're gonna uh hop into the heat in the Celtics game today I mean Lou let's hear your thoughts on it first and then because I kind of want to hear what you have to say because I know you're a I know you're a closet heat fan and, and don't lie to the since the sandbox fan you're you're a closet heat fan these days I wouldn't call myself a closet heat fan I just think that they're better than the C's and I explain it this way the two things that it takes to win an NBA championship or to be good in the playoffs takes defense and shooting. They're better than the Celtics at both of them. It's very clear. Tonight, Jimmy Butler did not play. The Celtics get beat by four. We're down by 14 at some points. Brad Wanamaker, horrible. Absolutely god-awful gabajoo. I can't deal with him. He's so bad, dude. Then, Cantor was great on the boards all night. Why he didn't play more is astounding to me. Gordon Hayward, only looks to drive and then kick it out. He never goes to finish at the basket. It's so aggravating. And they just let up too many threes. They get caught on every fake. Someone steps in, takes a couple dribbles towards the center, kicks it back out for a three, and the Celtics don't recover well. They aren't great 
perimeterally defensively and they aren't great inside defensively. They're good in one-on-one situations and in help situations, but man, it was really disappointing to just see that they couldn't beat a, a Jimmy Butlerless Heat team and, and they were just letting up so many threes. I'm not pretty sure that the Heat went like 10 of 11 from three to start. Like that just can't happen, man. And Kev, I'm a closet Raptors fan, so stop with that. I honestly think that the the Celtics kind of got exposed for their weaknesses by what we really are. And, and Lou, you made really great points to that because I also feel like guys like Kelly Olenek and Bam Adebayo absolutely like got a lot like Tatum and, and Smart into foul trouble early, and we had to play with guys like Wanamaker in for for a long period of time. Um, and I do think that Enos Kanter should really play more minutes. I actually w- was listening to to the game on the radio. And I heard that he was third in the league for uh, rebound percentage. But the reason why he has such a high percentage is because he's only averaging like 17 minutes a game. So seven rebounds during the 17 minutes a game, that's a lot to kind of tally up in that period of time. So th- those were definitely some good points. Oh, you know, get- Kev, hold up, Kev. I got to ask you, though, like, am, am I seeing these crazy things where, like, Gordon Hayward doesn't want to shoot unless he's wide open like Moses potting the sea open Lou listen I've known you my whole life you're one of my best friends I 100% agree with you I think I mean like you said before I think as a whole league the bubble's affecting this but I think you can see it even in the Celtics the way they're playing too they are settling for too many outside shots I mean too many threes yeah but even just too many deep twos and stuff like that Lou I know I was texting you during the game earlier and you kept saying you were like why won't they drive? They're scared to drive. They're scared to drive. And after you, after you kept saying it over and over again, I noticed, you know what I mean? And you're right, guys like Gordon Hayward, guys like even Tatum settles a lot more now than he used to. I mean, he still drives when he needs to, but he definitely settles more. Jalen Brown settles more. These are guys that are good finishers that should be getting in the rim, should be getting and one, should be getting other teams, big men's forwards into foul trouble. So I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying on that. Yeah, dude. It's just like Jalen was the only one, and he still wasn't doing it enough for, like, taking it to the basket, dude. Like, he, he, he has some hops, dude. He makes some nice finishes. Tatum did it in traffic or kind of off a, a quick step when all the Heat were transitioning. But it's like, dude, they were getting outrun by, like, Andre Iguodala. And as much as I love Iggy and, and uh, Duncan Robinson, it's like, dude, you're letting these guys 3 and D you the whole game. And they got beat by a zone. No one plays zone in the NBA like that, I don't believe. They were getting beat up by a zone defense without Jimmy Butler. Like, that's my biggest problem is, like, what are they going to do when they play Toronto? Toronto has several different big men that are better than every big man we have. They don't have the forwards that we have, obviously, and they don't have the shooting. But, man, I don't want to see Toronto or the Heat in the playoffs because it's just – I need to see the Celtics starting five play more. Kemba was good in spurts, but his turnovers were frequent. He looked like – he wasn't comfortable with the ball in his hands like he usually is, making quick passes. A lot of passes that people weren't ready for. I, Brad Wanamaker had butterfingers from the start to the end. It's just, dude, yeah, I want that guy off the roster. I really do. Lou, do you blame Brad Stevens for more of this, or, or do you think it's more of the players doing? The only blame I could put on him is not getting the right big men personnel or bench personnel, or I would like to see the rookies play more. You know what I mean? Or like in in different situations. I don't like his lineup, Steve. Like I don't think the the starting five has played enough together at this point to gain the momentum back. So that I put on him. But the lack of ball movement and the continual ISO plays into useless pick and rolls that go into late late shot clock pull-ups, 
is all on the players. That is 100% a fact. But yeah, Steve, I do give a little to him because Kemba Walker's playing 17 game, 17 minutes a game and it's not with the starting five a lot of the time. And how is he going to get comfortable out there when he's going to pass to Sammy Ogilvy and Grant Williams? Nothing against them, but that's just not the lineup you want him in. No, fair enough. Kev, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you shift a lot of the blame towards Brad Stevens, or, or do you think the players? I mean, not really. I think I get what Lou's saying about Kemba playing with like the second unit a lot more, but I think Brad's always kind of been like that. I think he tries to rotated so there's at least you know one starter on the floor at all times whether it's Tice whether it's Tatum whether it's Brown Hayward whoever Kemba etc I think he tries to do that just to get you know just to get the ball rolling I mean sometimes you need just that one guy in case you know a situation comes up and you need someone to take over on the court you know what I mean so I like the way he does his subs personally but I think that dude the thing that scares me the most is like even with Jimmy Butler, the Heat is like one of those teams that like we need to beat. You know what I mean? Like they're a very good team. I'm not saying that, but like they shouldn't be better than us. You know what I mean? And they are right now at this point in time. And even with Jimmy Butler playing, like that's a team that's in the East that, yeah, we're right there with, but these are teams we need to beat. You know what I mean? Teams like this, Philly, Milwaukee, these are teams we need to beat to prove ourselves and to become an actual contender and in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, to just transition to a, another game, Rockets versus Bucks happened the other day. Rockets came from behind and beat the Bucks 120 to 116. And man, this reset or, or rest or whatever you want to call it has done wonders for the Rockets. And I'll tell you why. Because this point in the season, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are both usually the highest usage rate guys. Fatigued is all hell and carrying teams on their backs. Now they came back all rested and dude, they look like a two headed monster instead of two guys who, who are just two separate MVPs playing on the floor together. They've really impressed me. They've played D and the Bucs have not been great recently. It's been the Giannis show. That's it. But do you guys honestly see the Rockets as contenders? And, and can their momentum put them as a real threat in the West? Hey, listen, Lou. When they first made the trade for Westbrook, I told my brothers and my father, I said, listen, this is going to be the best thing. And they were like, no, they're never going to be able to play together, blah, 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 blah. And I know they haven't won anything yet. But, Lou, like you said, these two look good together. You know what I'm saying? So, And I think the whole small ball lineup they got going on, like, yeah, it's very, like, unorthodox, but I kind of like it because when you have a guy like P.J. Tucker, it's like, yeah, he's only, what, six, seven, six, eight, but he's strong. And if there's one thing that people sleep on in basketball, it's that it doesn't matter how tall you are for rebounding the basketball. It's about boxing out. It's about effort. Guys like P.J. Tucker are good at boxing out. They go after rebound. They're strong enough to box out these 6'10", 6'11 guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to have someone seven feet there if they're not going to rebound. It's all effort. I think, you know, even Westbrook is probably the best two-guard rebounder in the league. So, they, I think they can run on teams. They have great outside shooting. They can spread the floor so Harden can do his thing. Westbrook can do their thing, get to the basket, shoot free throws. And I think Harden has been stepping his D up a little bit. I mean, still not, you know, he's no defensive player of the year, but you can definitely see how the reset kind of, I feel like, reset his his mind too. And I, I think it's going to be something special to see them in the playoffs. I could see them up there in the top of the West, Lou, honestly. If, if they were to make a conference finals, I wouldn't be surprised. As of right now, for me, they're the third best team in the West. In the style of play that everyone's playing right now, which is shoot, 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 shoot. 
try to play D and recover. Kevin works great for them. And like you said, that's why guys like Montrez Harold, who's probably the best rebounder on a good team this season, I would say Drummond, but his teams have been terrible. And guys like Rodman, dude, Dennis Rodman was like 6'7", 6'8", and is probably the greatest rebounder that's ever lived. So you're right. It is about positioning knowing where to be and using your body. I don't have much of a body to use, but I am like that on the court. A young uh, TJ McConnell, if you will. <laughs> I definitely think the Rockets could be a, a contender. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like in this format with, with how everything is going on uh, with the NBA right now, I feel like it's going to be the team that gets hot that's going to have the most success. And yeah, the, the Rockets can have that, can build that some chemistry right now to help carry into the playoffs. But if they die down, you know, before they get to the end, then it's just going to be just like any other Rockets playoff trip. And we really want to see the next step from Harden, the next step from Russ. And they are playing crazy right now. But this is, I feel like, kind of more of a drop for a team like the Bucks Because I think, you know, with Giannis being the, the big physical presence that he is, and the Rockets not being able to really match up like that, the Rockets definitely did do a good job defending him. But I feel like as someone that's in contention for the MVP, you know, he's really going to dominate. And yes, he, he did personally, but the Bucks got to come away with the win. Got to see more from guys like Middleton stepping up and being that, that second guy. And that's kind of the reason why everyone's really talking about Giannis possibly leaving the Bucks is because, you know, maybe he might, might realize that he can't do it on his own. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, if you watch the last play of that game, it was him, double covered, tries to make an extra pass. Goes out of bounds, turnover, ends the game. So you're right, they do need to help him. But to maybe the biggest and most watched game of the bubble so far, Lakers versus Clippers. Lakers take it. AD phenomenal through the whole game, especially in the fourth. LeBron doesn't really shoot much the whole game. Ends with 16, 11, and 7. But he does put the nail in the coffin. How do you guys feel about... Uh, the momentum the Lakers have over the Clippers? Because I believe this is the first time they've really beaten them over the season. Does, does this change things for you guys and how you see Lakers versus Clippers going into the uh, playoffs in the bubble? I honestly feel like seeing the type of game that this was, that it kind of showed that LeBron was okay with having AD, you know, be the guy that, that carries the team to the promised land if, if that's what has to happen j just to kind of get through a game. We obviously know LeBron will have his games where he's taken over going for 30 and 40, but just being able to see AD do that, it's just like, okay, who, who are you going to try and stop and the other one just going to beat you? I do feel like if Kawhi and PG did play a little bit better, you know, that game could have went in a different direction, but the Lakers had the better guy that night, and that was AD. See, now, it's tough because the Lakers and Clippers are like 1A, 1B, but... And no Lou Williams. Remind you, that there was no Lou Williams that game because he was uh, quarantined from hot wings and strippers. Right. They're 1A and 1B, but for some reason, the Lakers are like maybe the one team besides the Bucks that I am confident will be in their conference finals. The thing about the Clippers is even though they're that one B team, there's a few teams in the West that I could see beating the Clippers in an early round, you know what I mean? Or a second or third round. So I don't know. I mean, like you said, this is the first time the Lakers beat them all season, but this is the time, like, I feel like the Clippers are kind of flatlined. You know what I mean? Like the Lakers are unreal and they're only getting better. Anthony Davis is only playing better. You know what I mean? I feel like the Clippers are kind of just where they were, you know, before the whole quarantine happened, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but 
the way the season's going, it's going to be about teams that have the most momentum momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think the momentum is a real factor. But honestly, I, I, it doesn't do much for me. I still think the Clippers are the better team because of the depth. And Actually, I wouldn't say the better team, Kev, but I'll say this. I think they have a lesser chance of getting upset than the Lakers because of the surrounding pieces around LeBron and AD. If AD has a, has a bad game, so he gets a lot of fouls, I don't know if LeBron still all game in multiple games can give his all and rely on guys like Avery Bradley and Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma to get it done. Whereas on the other hand, if you're Kawhi and Paul George, you can be like, okay, there's Lou Williams. There's Montrez Harold. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a little bit more of a, I just think that the clip is a deeper and I think they're better coached as a team, but I cannot wait to see these two teams play again, man. This is, I, I wish it could be the finals. I really do. Lou, I do feel that, but I also feel like the Lakers have some guys that could be streaky that can also take over a game. You know, I feel like Danny Green is really one of those guys, and you mentioned a couple of them already. I feel like Kuzma can come in and have a random 23 points. You know what I mean? Danny Green can do that and have even more. We've seen that in spurts throughout the playoffs many times. Um, Avery Bradley if could really do that too. So uh, I just I just feel like a couple of guys there that, that could. But but like you said, the, the Clippers definitely have that as well. And you could even say, you know, a guy like Patrick Beverly could do that for them. I did forget about Patrick Beverly. I forgot he, he is going to be a big factor as well, just getting other people's skin and playing the defense that he plays. But the Clippers don't have Landry Shamit uh, because of, I believe, either COVID or he's just opted out to play. Either way, he was a really big piece for them. Um, great shooter, good defender. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this finishes up. I, I'm just happy basketball's back. I think we're all happy basketball is back, but guys, that wraps things up for this episode. Before we get to the end, we just want to introduce uh, something new that we're going to do, and we just want to get the chance to thank you guys, give you guys a little shout out on air. So we're going back to anyone that's made a donation to us, just shouting out your name. We thank you. We appreciate you and continue listening because we greatly appreciate it. Rich Gordon, $50 donation. Jane Lacey, $25 donation. And Colette, $20 donation. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. Keep tuning in to Since the Sandbox. We out.